There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The iconic blues rock band Canned Heat hits Ram's Head in Annapolis, Maryland on Monday, September 19th. I spoke to longtime drummer Adolfo Fido de la Parra about his journey from Mexico City to Woodstock with timeless hits ranging from going up the country to let's work together. Hey, Adolfo, a.k.a. Fido de la Parra. Hey, thanks so much for joining us on WTOP. Uh, thanks for your interest, too. It's a pleasure. Now we're talking, of course, you are the, you know, the drummer, current band leader of the iconic band Canned Heat. Going to be rocking Ram's Head in Annapolis on Monday, September 19th. Uh, what all do we got in this show? I assume uh, it's all the classic hits, you know, uh, people that grew up with your music. And, and now now they are they bringing their kids? Is it like multiple generations showing up to this thing? Yeah, it usually happens that, that way. Sometimes it's parents and kids and even grandparents. It, it is awesome. Yeah, it is great. And, uh, and then sometimes it's just kids by themselves. A, a lot of this uh, younger generation that sort of yearn for the Woodstock era and they yearn to be living on that era and they kind of show up at the gigs of bands like myself like ourselves you know it's uh it's really amazing sometimes to find you know 17 18 year olds dressed up like hippies and stuff and they all they come and say we wish we were living in that era <laughs> we were born in the wrong time take us back <laughs> awesome well, so, uh, you know, i don't know you, you sound pretty young to me but maybe some of you your generation feel that way but you know that's uh, that's that's just a matter of choice yeah, I turned 38 next month, so I'm relatively young, but I'm pushing 40. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm sort of in the middle. But I, I love I love music from that era. It's definitely uh, I, re- I really, really appreciate it. That's why I wanted to have have you on. Can't Heat is, is such a cool sound. Well, we're, before I want to dive into some of, you know, the, the bigger songs and stuff. But before that, remind us who all's uh, who all's in the current lineup with you now. And, and do you and do you do the, do the new guys have catchy nicknames like the classic lineup used to have? <laughs> 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 well, not not nicknames, but you know, I have a bunch of great guys, and uh, the band is sounding very good, and we're getting some great reactions from the people. Uh, the The current lineup has uh, Jimmy Vivino, who's our latest addition. Uh, he was the band leader for the Conan O'Brien show for the past ten years. That's awesome. You might have seen him. You know, the guy with the hat and the beard. Oh yeah, you know, of him. course. He's yeah, a great, course. great, great guitar player and singer, and I'm very happy to have him in the band now. And we also have, um, you know, my uh, frontman uh, Dale Spalding, who's been in the band for 15 years now. That makes him almost an original. And we also have Rick Reed on the bass, who's uh, you know has great credentials. He's played just with uh, 
everybody there is anybody in the blues world. So I have a pretty good band, and uh, I think we're going to be doing good on this on this tour coming. Awesome, awesome. Now, yeah, I had to. I had, I just was was curious if there were any nicknames because I always love reading. You know that classic lineup. Of course, it was Bob the Bear, uh, Height, uh, Alan Blind, Al Wilson, and Larry the Mole Taylor. You were you were Fito. Fito. It's Adolfito. It's, uh, it's it's come from Latin America. Anybody called Adolfo or Rudolfo, they are calling Fito, like Adolfito or Rodolfito. So where in it's Latin like Richard, I'm from Mexico City. So, so you grew up in Mexico City. All right, all right. How did you make your way up and meet all the guys? Because uh, I guess Canned Heat formed in L.A. in what, 65, something like that? So how did you make your way up yeah. to, to meet the guys? I, I, I joined Canned Heat in October of 1967. They've been around already for about a year and a half. And uh, I came to the U.S., you know, I was a, a young guy. I, I married an American girl, and I wanted to play rhythm and blues music that was my my thing i wanted to experiment and to learn more about this kind of music that conquered me and while i was in mexico city i already been playing with several bands i was in many of the most popular bands of latin america so i knew already about having hit records and having you know the popularity and all that stuff what really turned me on and got me into the U.S. was when I discovered blues music, mm. blues music and rhythm and blues. And that's what that was my main thing. I wanted to come here and and play that music and learn more about it. I never oh, I never expected to find a bunch of people like the guys in Camp Heat. They were very much like me. They They were into that kind of music and they were scholars, they were record collectors and musicologists. And uh, we just, you know, we just did it. We, we got together and we liked the same kind of music and we wanted to pass that same message. Awesome. Yeah. And you, I mean, you said that they're, they, uh, you know, were musicologists and collectors of blues records and stuff. And, and, it, and it makes sense. You really can see that on the, I guess, what is it? The self-titled debut album, Canned Heat, because a lot of those, actually, maybe all, almost all of them probably are reworkings of old classic, uh, you know, iconic blues riffs and stuff. I think, um, wasn't Roll, Rolling and Tumbling, which was the breakthrough hit in 67, I guess you joined, you had joined just in time for that. Uh, what, was that an old Muddy Waters riff, I think? Yeah, yeah, of course. And it's also traditional uh, Mississippi blues uh, song, you know. Some of these songs are so old that, you know, even if there is an author playing, nobody really knows where they right. really came from. You know, like, like some of the lyrics of On the Road Again, which uh, originally were, you know, of course, uh, claimed by, by Floyd Jones and then by Alan. But... Uh, you know, it is really traditional music that, you know, it goes way back and it's very hard to find who was actually the very first person that uh, that did it, you know, because uh, there was no recordings in those times. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, but there were some recordings of you all doing it uh, on some documentaries and stuff. I know uh, when you were doing Rolling and Tumbling, it really got captured, you know, for all time um, in that in that uh, Monterey Pop documentary, D.A. Pennebecker, the legendary filmmaker. Yeah. I'm a movie yeah. guy myself. Yeah, so that, that was that. Yeah, that, that's a great festival, the Monterey Pop Festival. That was a little bit before I joined. I joined right after Monterey. I, I joined in October of that year. 
Ah, gotcha. Well, so did, the, I, did the guys started, from the band I, I was, have any good, did they at least tell you, you know, the original members tell you at least some good stories of that fest? About the fest? Uh, they talk about it sometimes, you know. You know, not, not much to tell. I mean, they were very happy, and I, I was envious that I didn't get to see Otis Redding that was playing there with them, you know. Wow. The other acts that we that they alternated with, we we did alternate with later, you know, including, you know, Hendrix and Janis Joplin and Cream and many others. But I didn't get to see Otis Redding live, and that would have been great. That would have been a privilege to to be at the Monterey Pop Festival and see Otis Redding. I missed that one. Yeah, but like you said, you got to you got to play um, on you know with, with a lot of the other ones for sure. So yeah, I guess what Otis Redding yeah, di- really died good. that December, right? At the end of end yeah, of '67. Yeah. So yeah, you just missed yeah, him. Exactly. You just missed him. Uh, all right, cool. Well, moving ahead, I know um, you, you you mentioned on the road again earlier. Not to be confused with you know the Willie Nelson, the Willie Nelson song, but uh, this one is just a, a I guess it was off of Boogie with Can Heat, the second album. Um, talk about how and so you're there for this one, I guess I assume. Um, so yeah, yeah for that one, I I really know in those yes, yeah, I recorded yeah. it, Boogie with Can for sure, for sure. So talk about um how you know some of the other songs had. You know, there was usually that gritty voice that, you know, Bob had. Um, but on, on this one, they I, I believe you switched over to Alan Wilson's doing the doing some higher well, pitch falsetto, uh, right? Those were the two styles that Ken Heath was known for. I mean, the, the rowdy blues singer, you know, blues shouter, uh, you know, a la Big Joe Turner style. That was Bob height. OK, the, the big bear, you know, who, who sang and, uh, you know, the, the big party guy and the big frontman. And then it was also the most sophisticated and more softer kind of blues that Alan Wilson brought into the into the fray. Uh, the idea of doing on the road again, of course, is a, as I said, it's traditional Mississippi blues, originally claimed by Floyd Jones, but uh, I don't know for sure if he was the original writer. Uh, Alan came with the idea of, of doing that and and uh, do a, a, a musical part reminiscent of John Lee Hooker's style, you know, part of the boogie type of thing that John Lee Hooker did and add a tempura instrument like the Indian drone that they use for Indian music. This tempura is 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 like a sitar, but it holds one note all the time. That's that note that you hear throughout the record. You know, it's part of the uh, hypnotic effect of the drone. The that drone was a pretty good uh, impression right there. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> hey, sometimes I had to do it on the microphone when we couldn't get a tape to, to play that thing. So, yeah, that's that's it. That To get that hypnotic effect and that drone music, which is also part of the uh, John Lee Hooker influence on Ken Heath's music. I love it. I love it. Um Awesome. And then, uh, yeah, you mentioned the two, you know, you're talking about the two styles, sort of the big bear party guy of Bob and then, and then the Alan Wilson doing the falsetto kind of songs going back and forth. I guess Alan's ver Alan's style wound up on going up the country, which is, you know, it's, um, man, I'm telling you that that song you'll still hear played on, you know, commercials and, and stuff on TV today. I'm telling you any younger listeners out there, if you, if you think you don't know it, I mean, you, I promise you do <laughs> going up the country, baby. Do you want to go uh, to any stories of, of putting that one together, you know, in studio or any good memories of, of being there on, on the doorstep? Well, of I, I, 
I, I, do, I do remember that we already had one hit record, which was something that we never expected. Being a blues band, and in those times, blues was really not that popular. You know, it was not, you know, uh, mainstream what at all. So we had on the road again and became a hit record. And it was amazing. We were like, we couldn't believe it. It actually broke by itself. <laughs> and uh, so one time we're rehearsing. And Alan shows up and starts playing this little lick with a guitar and shows us a, a set of lyrics that he put to it. And, you know, he comes and says, I, I got inspired by Henry Thomas, the blues, uh, blues guy from Texas, who did this song called Going Down Home or Going Down South, something like that. So he put the lyrics, going up the country, baby, don't you want to go? Going up the country, baby, don't you want to go? You know? The moment we heard the first one minute of the song with, with the guitar lick and the words, I remember Larry Taylor and I looked at each other and said, this is a hit record, no question about it. And, and it became a hit record. It became a very important song and also became the theme of the Woodstock Festival. When you think about Woodstock, you always think of going up the country. Baby, don't you want to go? Going up the country from New York to the Catskill Mountains. Yeah. To the farm, to the farm, to Max Jasger's farm where the festival was happening. Wow. That's a, yeah. It kind of, it kind of symbolizes the, the whole festival in a way. Well, that's, that's great. That's yeah. Right. You, visualize, you visualize all those people going up, going up, up, up the country. They're going, going up the country. I say that again because uh, many people come and ask sometimes, why don't you guys do that song going down the country? <laughs> and I have to correct them and say it is going up the country. Even even uh, Paul McCartney just uh, sang a few a few parts of that song on the latest documentary on the Beatles. He actually honored us by singing some canned heat stuff on the documentary. I don't know if you've seen it, the latest documentary on the, one the Beatles. That, like the the really the one that just came yeah, out. Yeah, on the, Disney Plus. Yeah, that's the one. But he's. He's also singing it as going down the country. Baby, don't you want to go? So if you ever get to talk to George, to Paul, tell him that he's going up the country, not going down the country. We'll say, uh, Sir Paul, Fido uh, has a has a word, has an issue with the way you're saying it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm very grateful that he actually mentioned us and that he was singing our yeah. song. You know, that's great. I mean, the Beatles that's singing awesome. can't he? That's wonderful. That's great. But he did say going down the country. <laughs> it's up, not down. Well, yeah, what goes up must come down or something like that. But uh, awesome. Well, uh, take me, tell me a little bit more about, I mean, you sort of segued into it, but Woodstock, I mean, the most iconic music, music festival ever. And um, I mean, you know, young youngins like me have only been able to appreciate it with those legendary, awesome documentaries, you know, and we must be in heaven, man, all that, all that great stuff. But uh, where did you play? I guess Canned Heat was what, the towards the end of day two, right before Mountain and Grateful Dead, CCR? Yeah, yeah. we were, yeah, we were headlining on Saturday. That's the second day, which is probably the heaviest day of the three. Uh, the heaviest bands, I would say. Uh, yes, we were headlining on Saturday and we finally were able to, well, we actually hijacked a helicopter from the press. <laughs> Bob Hyde went, went and pulled those guys in, in, from the press out of the helicopter. They were already in the helicopter and we ran towards them and pulled them out and took over. And uh, we hijacked the helicopter and we arrived around four o'clock or so 
And then I remember we see our, our truck with our roadies right by the stage too. They also made it. They drove 12 hours from New York to Woodstock. You know, it normally will take two or three hours, but because of the festival and the roads being congested, these guys had to move cars out of the road and with the help of the fans and people there, they managed to get the truck through and made it to the stage. At the same time, we were arriving on the helicopter. I remember the uh, chipmunk, the uh, stage manager, Woodstock comes to our manager and says, can you guys play now? And uh, Skip looks around and says, this is a great time to play. We always believe that when the sun is setting, it's actually the best time to play. And that's what it was happening. So we got a, a great time, uh, time, time factor there. And we started there and we, we organized our instruments and we played that uh, great, great afternoon. We had a great, uh, good performance and, and an excellent response from the audience. It, it was amazing to hear that response, that applause, you know. At the end of the boogie, we call it the Woodstock boogie. You can hear it on the record. It's amazing. I, I don't know if any other band had as big a response as we did that time. Oh, we invite everybody to um go look look it up on YouTube if you can. It, the, the the Woodstock Boogie um canned heat performance. It is it is well, A, you'll recognize sort of sort of that boogie riff, like you're saying. I guess it like you said, it's like an old John Lee Hooker boogie chilling or something. Or you might even you've heard that. I mean, ZZ Top Lagrange. I mean, a lot of bands have done the similar, you know, riff. But um, man, that's the the crowd reaction and like you're saying, the fact that it was during sunset, that's just gotta be a magical memory in your in your brain forever, man. That's all that's that's amazing. Um, it, was. it was. It was. It was a wonderful experience. Did you, you know, other than you actually getting those memories of when you're actually on stage, were there? Did you have any any a chance to get to watch any of those great other artists on on any of the other days? Uh, I got to talk to some of the guys from the Santana band, which they were just starting. They were introducing their first record at the time. They were not famous at all. Yeah, they they were just uh, introducing their 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 act and their record. Uh, so I got to talk to Chepito Arias, you know, who is uh, Latin American, and we spoke a little bit of Spanish, and we both felt very happy to be there. But I didn't get to see any other bands. Only the band that was on before us was the incredible string band. And uh, it was a very soft band from England. You know, they play, uh, I guess, uh, traditional English, uh, you know, music from the past, from histor historical times. And... Uh, uh, you know, to follow them was very easy for us because we were much more intense and loud and just a heavy band. That's all. We were heavier. And uh, so that's also had to do with uh, the reaction from the audience. You know, they, they all of a sudden woke up, you know, with the canned heat. <laughs> yeah, you you woke them up. All right. Uh, well, well, maybe time for one more week. We, my listeners will kill me if we don't get uh, some tidbits on um, Let's Work Together. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm clearly Bob Hyde back on the vocals with that, that groveling yeah, voice. That, 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 was, that, was, that was the Bears' hit. That was Bob Hyde's hit. And that's, again, the two styles of the band. The Alan Wilson style is the falsetto, softer kind, the soft side of the blues. And Bob Hyde was the woogie side of the blues. The happy side, the, the upside of the blues. Let's work together was originally written by Wilbur Harrison, 
the same guy that wrote Kansas City. We heard the original song and we really liked it, but we decided not to do anything with it until we, you know, to see what happens with the original, with Wilbur's uh, version. So a couple of months went by and nothing happened. The, the song sort of disappeared. Uh, no charts, no radio play, no nothing. And that's when Bob said, you know, in one of his uh, parties that he used to have record playing parties all the time in his house. One of those parties, he plays the record a couple of times and says, this is a great song. We should, as a great message, we should redo it and do it our style. So <clears throat> we booked the session and we did it. And it came out very almost magical. It was like a first or second take. I mean, uh, there was no overdose, no, no reruns, no nothing. We just did it there live and it came out great. It's a, it's a very great sound, great mix. And the message is still very much relevant today. And a lot of people are using it for commercials too and for movies and for many other th things. So it's just good to, to have a impact on the culture. Well, tell me, but yeah, tell me real quick more, a little more about that message. You know, together we stand, divided we fall. I mean, let's work together. I mean, uh, I mean, that really does still, that still works. <clears throat> That's right. I mean, look what's happening with our country, with the politics and all that. I mean, for example, they use that song in the parliament in Australia. So there you go. Let's play work it together. in parliament. <laughs> in parliament. Yeah, they use it as a theme to start working. I thought they'd so be playing I, I like George to... Clinton in Parliament. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This is a, this is another Parliament. <laughs> Actual Parliament. I've heard it also in, in, in a bank commercial. I mean, that was amazing. A bank commercial talking about let's work together. And of course, in several movies, you know. In oh, Forrest, Forrest Gump. Gump. Forrest Gump's the one I think of when, <laughs> you know, they're in yeah, the, they all, they they're have, in with the New Year's party with Lieutenant Dan and she tastes like yeah, cigarettes. That whole and thing. They, are, they are doing let's work together. That's right. That's right. That's so, but it's been in many other movies, too. I, I cannot mention them right now. You're out of my memory, but. Uh, what do you think when you're sitting in the when you're sitting in a movie theater watching a Forrest Gump or whatever movie it's in when when all of a sudden you, you hear that iconic song come on do you go up oh, add another one to our <laughs> and chalk up another one for candy uh, I, I I feel I, I feel very proud and very happy that, that the song is there you know it's, it's just it's, it's wonderful it's a wonderful feeling oh yeah yeah I, I mean a, a director must they, they have all these songs that they can choose from and they pluck your song to capture that time you know in, in a period piece sort of thing and that, that's got to make you proud um all right cool well um uh thanks for joining us i mean i guess i mean we've we've gone through a, a lot of the big big hits um the, the, a lot of the highs talk about some real quick some some of the lows i mean uh, the, both people we've mentioned you know alan wilson of course died in young in 1970 at age 27 and then of course bob height died in, in 1981 at age 38 i mean how do, how do you guys as a band you know pick yourself up after stuff like that. I mean, that's, that's losing the, you know, the, some of the core members and how do you, how do you keep the band going? Well, it, 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 it has been a very hard and a very tragic band. We kind of had a dark cloud above us most of our career. And not only about the deaths of the guys, but many other things that happened to us throughout the times. But we've been able to endure it and continue playing. When Bob Hyde died, we considered dropping the band and forget about it. Right. But we had a contract to play in Australia. 
and the promoter Peter Noble contacted me and said, find yourself another frontman and we'll back you and the people will accept you and they will like it. Don't worry about it. I was worried that people were not going to like the band and they were not going to accept us, you know, with, without our two main guys, you know, Alan Gone and Bob Gone. But fortunately, the people kind of uh, liked the Canned Heat experience and they accepted us and they liked us. And we continued to get offers, even if Bob wasn't there and Alan wasn't there. So I kept accepting the offers and continued to do all the work for the past 40 years or so. Uh, I always left it up to the people. I always believed that the band also belongs to the fans and to the people that follow it. Yeah, that's very true. Very true. Uh, well, all, I'm sure all of us fans are, are glad that, that you have kept it going. Um, I guess uh, before we go, you know, I, I'm curious, do you, you know, you, you said you're from, you know, Mexico City. Do you, do you ever get, you know, do you ever go down country to <laughs> going down country back, back to back to, you know, where you grew up? <laughs> you ever go back where yes, you grew yes, up? We, oh, yes, I do. I have family down there and I go visit. Plus, Cannes Heat is very popular in Mexico and we play there. We play there uh, at the end of 2019 or uh, right, right before the COVID thing happened. Mm. We play there. We've been in Mexico at least 15 times. We've, we play there many times. So we're well known there. And uh, of course, the fact that I used to play in some of the most Mexican, uh, most famous Mexican bands. So I was already known before I left Mexico. And so and then I come here and join a, a, a world famous band, you know, can't hit. So now in Mexico, I became more famous. And, you know, I'm very happy about that. And, and I hope we can get to play down there again sometime. Oh, yeah. Hey, real quick. Uh, our, a lot of our listeners might be curious about what some tell us about some of those bands that you played in when, when you were in Mexico before Canned Heat. You know, if, if we could look if, if some fans of Canned Heat maybe want to look up some of your earlier oh, yeah. stuff. I, I'm sure you can find them on the Internet. One of them was Los Hooligans, which had a what had a gigantic hit record called Despeinada. And uh, it was like a, a, all over Latin America. It was a gigantic record. Los Hooligans was one of them. Another another band was quite famous was Los Sinners. See, they all have led Los before. Of <laughs> Los course. Sinners. And then I also played with Javier Batiste. Javier Batiste was also Carlos Santana's first guitar teacher and guitar mentor. He's the one that taught Santana how to play his first chords. So Javier also introduced Mexico to rhythm and blues and blues music. He came from Tijuana and came to Mexico City. And uh, I also played with him. And, uh, and, you know, many other bands, but as I say, the ones I just mentioned, those sinners and those hooligans were the most famous ones. And you can find that, find about Javier Batiste or those two other bands in the Internet. I'm sure they have pages of information there. Oh, yeah. And of course, a little band called Canned Heat, <laughs> which will be coming to Ram's Head in Annapolis, Maryland on September 19th. So everybody gets your tickets. Uh, I, I, I have you before we run. Have you ever have you ever played there before? Do you guys make it to Annapolis very often? Well, we play in Annapolis, but I don't remember if I play in Ram's Head. Maybe we have. 
remember we've been playing for i've been in the band for 53 years it's hard to remember everything it all runs together <laughs> yeah but, but some, sometimes sometimes a whole tour just seems like one thing you know yeah. but uh i have to be in the place once i go in there and i see the stage and all that then my memory starts coming back and says hey you were here before <laughs> it is possible that we were there before but i don't know for sure i know yeah. we play in annapolis before too or in the area you know in the area Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm sure you, I'm sure we've seen you throughout the DC area for sure. I guess we gotta wait and see if you get in there and you and you feel some deja vu, then then you'll know you've played there before. Um, awesome. Yeah, maybe the people that run the place will remember too. Sometimes they they come to me and says, "Hey, I, I remember when you guys were here, you know, 20 years ago." Oh, say so great, you know. <laughs> jog the memory yeah that's great all right well i really really appreciate your time i guess uh i guess the final question i guess would be you know of when when you look back at the whole career and you know actually decades from decades after you know you're gone and and i'm gone um you know when when people look back at this era of music and all the great bands you know what what do you want people to remember about canned heat that that stood out you know maybe from some of your your contemporaries of the time uh, well, you know, one of the things that I think we had a, a lot of influence on is on the dissemination and the acceptance of blues music all over the world. We were part of the pioneers, the pioneering movement to make blues music palatable and accepted all over the world, especially in Europe too, and in the US. And because of bands like us and Paul Borderfield and John Mayo, I will say those are the three pioneers on white blues that turned the world on to blues music. And I think that was our contribution. If you see the situation now times, there are all kinds of blues festivals. There are blues societies. There, are, there, is, you know, there is blues bands just all over the place. Some of them are not so good. Some of them are great. But the main thing is that when we started, blues was not even known or accepted. And we worked really hard and kept our integrity to promote that music worldwide. And I think that's what we, that's our contribution to society. It's a great contribution it was. Well, hey, thank you so much, Fido, for, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Again, everyone, check out Canned Heat at Ram's Head in Annapolis on September 19th. Get your tickets now. This was a pleasure talking with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thank you, Jason. You have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.